We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. (laughs) This is a house of learning doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to The Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Sunday, November 14th, 9 p.m. on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. We have got the squad in the house tonight. Taylor Peterson is here. Uh, Texas lost to Kansas in football in the year 2021, second time in a decade. In Austin. Justin Peabody. (laughs) Hello, everybody. We've got Nick Crane along. And then you get a patented intro like Justin has. I I, I need to think of something. Don't have to think of anything. You just brand recognition. There it is. <laughs> Didn't somebody, while you guys were recording out at Summer League, comment on a pod and said, it was weird whenever the pod started without Jacob. What's up? Yes, <laughs> yes. That was, that's the best, Hello, the most everyone. important thing anyone's probably ever said to me in my in my yeah. life. <laughs> and my wife said huge, it to me two weeks ago. So uh, <laughs> we've also got JD Silva running the machine. My preference is to be taxidermied when I die. <laughs> It's a great sounder. Straight facts. Straight facts. It makes uh, me worried what quotes Silva has on us. Just going to drop know. them randomly. You really never The good news out. is, I don't think Silva records us pre-pot, so I think we're <laughs> safe. Yeah. yeah, that's better. Good idea, though. He could get us all fired, probably. <laughs> that's a yeah. good idea. <laughs> the podcast would be all that we have. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Well, hey, thank you guys for joining. If you're on the live stream, what's up? We're glad to have you here. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, thanks for downloading our show. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Drop that five-star rating, screenshot and DM it to us on Twitter uh, or on Facebook or on Instagram or on TikTok. (laughs) We'll send you a free uncontested sticker and they are dope. I think each one of them have them on the back of our computers right now. If you do not know, we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of SI Thunder. 
Big show for you guys tonight. We're going to start off breaking down the Thunder's loss to the Brooklyn Nets. 120-96 to snaps the Thunder's four-game win streak. And then we're going to dive into some bigger Thunder thoughts before we take you guys on a trip around the association. Let's start off, though, with the game that just concluded. Like I said, the Brooklyn Nets come into Oklahoma City, win 120-96, to took the lead early. The Thunder were pretty competitive in the first quarter, but after that, just continued to spiral down and down. Biggest one for me, and this guy's actually the two biggest takeaways for why the Thunder lost this game. A would be the free throw disparity. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, 20 of 21 on free throws. The Thunder, 10 of 11. So the Nets got 10 more free throws than the Thunder. The other one, Patty Mills. Yeah. Patty just Olympic. went insane. Justin, uh, you mentioned it on Twitter, but yeah, Olympic Patty Mills. <laughs> yes. I said, I know the Thunder have a lot of international players, but can we tell Patty Mills this isn't the Olympics? Because. <laughs> He was unconscious. I mean, it looked like what we saw him do against Team USA this summer. 29 points for Patty, including nine threes. That's wild. My guy was Clay Thompsoning out there, and the Thunder felt it. And that's that's hard to overcome. Uh, outside of the superstar power, which we know Brooklyn has, um, Patty Mills, man. Patty Mills and, to a slightly lesser extent, LaMarcus Aldridge, who mm-hmm. retired and then didn't and showed us why he didn't <laughs> death he, he still taxes, got it and the lamarcus aldrich turnaround fadeaway yeah. yes exactly always the other thing that i picked up on tonight was i think it was joe masato who tweeted this is kd's fourth game in oklahoma city as an opponent fourth game, fourth game fourth game to play fourth game to play correct yes yes but yeah. like that's crazy. He's it's ducking been us. Five years. He's ducking. He doesn't us. want to be booed. <laughs> Can't handle the heat. Yes, but like that's kind of nuts. It is. So, yeah. Because at the beginning nuts. of the game, I was like, the booze. Like, okay, I thought we might be past that. We're not. That's cool. But then I was like, oh, it's only the fourth time. Get him in. Get him in. He he deserves it. The starting lineups was an interesting experience. As someone who was at the game tonight, they announced KD to a massive chorus of booze. And then Blake Griffin to majority <laughs> cheers. And then James Harden, where people were just like, what the hell? Do I? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It was Oklahoma City. My fans have some yeah, emotions exactly. to, to work through. Hey, Justin, to your point, you mentioned KD. I thought this was a interesting stat, stat from a C. Melhone SB um, on Twitter. KD and James Harden play in OKC tonight the first time in 10 years that the two share that court as teammates again. It's mm. kind of interesting. That's kind of cool. Nostalgia. Um, Nick, talking about James Harden. Yeah. 16 points on 13 shots, 13 assists, but six turnovers. What do you think about Harden, who's... Ooh, that ice cream's coming up. <laughs> what do you think about James Harden and... and how he played tonight versus like he's he's kind of struggled this season and specifically Lou Dort's defense on him. Yeah, I it's hard to attribute like props to the Thunder for his downplay because it's that's how he's been all year. Uh, trying to adapt to not shooting 20 free throws a game with the new foul rules. Um, 
I thought this could be a game he could easily get out of his slump. Like it wouldn't have shocked me to see him score 40 on efficient numbers. He didn't. Um, Lou Dort was good on him, like not to take anything away from Lou. Um, he had the chance to to try to score on a rookie that made his debut and Aaron Wiggins. And I'm sure we'll talk about him. Um, Wiggins is a, is a solid defender for his, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say age. He's a little bit older, but for his tenure in the league, but He's struggling, and and the Brooklyn Nets are still winning games, which is kind of scary. No Kyrie, a struggling Harden, and they're still, you know, what are they, 9, 10, and 4, ten something and like four. that, 10 and 4. Um, it's, it's interesting to see early on, but I'd be almost optimistic if I was a Nets fan because it's not going to continue the whole year. I think that's fair. I Surprisingly... There's only one possession, but Jeremiah Robinson Earl got switched on Locked him down. to James Harden. That man's butt was like six inches from the floor yeah. in a stance. Yeah. Arms out and and contained him. It was I didn't know JRE had that in him. We would have gotten this in the slack and probably on pods too, but like he is he is exactly the kind of guy Presty drafts. Like yeah. just everything to a about Yeah. To a T, just those fundamentals. And like like you guys said, not only did that defense lead to a contested uh, fadeaway, like tough James Harden three-point shot that he obviously missed, but that allowed the Thunder to get into transition where I continue to argue they are at their best, which led to a wide-open three for Lou Dorn on the other end. Um, so, yeah, I, I love JRE with the starting five, and I think Dagnall does as well. He kind of mentioned that. I think – were you there uh, – were you listening in pregame, Nick? I did not Where I think he no. mentioned um, – I wasn't in there, but I saw some some tweets about it. He made some quote about like, look, like the starting center is not set in place. Um, it's going to continue to you know rotate between JRE and Favors, and he even yep. threw Roby in there, kind of being nice. <laughs> <laughs> but he did say that there's a reason that JRE is seeing an uptick in minutes and and role, and I think that only was solidified tonight after that performance on both ends of the floor. That that starting five just looks so much better with him in it. I've got a hot take, maybe hot, maybe not, um, not related to JRE, related to Darius Baisley, just going on the themes of why the Thunder didn't win tonight. I still do not think Darius Baisley is a starting power forward or a starting anything for the Thunder long term. Yeah. However, he is crucial to winning games today because he is the the first quarter God for this Thunder team. I tweeted this out during the game. He leads the the Thunder in first quarter points this year. There's been so many games this year where they've stayed in it simply because he has like 13 points in the first half. He'll ultimately finish with like 14 and do nothing in the second. But that is interesting. He's a legitimate score out of the gate for the Thunder. That's probably because he takes shots. Like if you're going to take shots, you're going to make some. It's not like he's just some, you know, outstanding first quarter guy. But um, he, he, this season at least, and the wins... He's been key in the first quarter. I think he was 0-5 in the first quarter today. Yeah, speaking of, you guys have mentioned two players now that I think we need to talk about. Let's start with Darius Baisley. Uh, we'll get more into him in a little bit because I want to talk about what we've seen from him over the past four games. And is that turning the corner or is it just another Baisley phase? Tonight, he... For me, it's hard to evaluate his game tonight, Justin. Offensively, he struggled. He missed open shots. He missed bunnies at the rim. And it's hard for me to evaluate him defensively because of the guy he was guarding. Like, you yeah. you can't evaluate anybody when they guard Kevin Durant, right? Right, right. But if you want a measuring stick, 
doesn't get much better than KD. Uh, if you want to find out where you're really at on that end of the floor, that's as good a test as any. I thought Baisley a little disappointing when you look at the stat sheet. Two of thirteen. That that's that's probably more than a little disappointing. Two of thirteen <laughs> after the last five games that he's been really solid. I talked about this on my post game show. Um, after the last game, it was like, okay, this is this is a trend. You can't ignore it. Five good games from Bays, resulting in four wins for the Thunder. Kind of to Nick's point tonight, not so great. I think what I want to see is what does it look like tomorrow night? Mm-hmm. Does this become like you said, Jacob? Is this another? I'm going to trademark this another Bays phase, or is it a is it a blip? Is it a is it an aberration? Is he gonna can he come out and give us 14 points tomorrow? Yep. If so, then that you know you can overlook a game like tonight, like you said, because of the factors of the Kevin Durant matchup, because of the fact that you were playing the Nets. If he can go out and put together a solid performance against the Heat. I think that speaks volumes about where his game may be headed. If he comes out and looks like he's in his head and he's chucking, uh, he'll have plenty more chances. The Thunder play five games this week. Yeah, a lot of basketball. But you want to see him be able to shake off a game like tonight and continue to have like an even scoring output and contribution to this team. So that that's what I'll be looking for tomorrow. Out of definitely. And speaking of the Monday night game against Miami. About a week ago, Coach Mark came out and said that Baisley had hit a new peak as far as his aggressiveness and his assertiveness and physicality in the game. Um, I can't remember which game it was. It was a game that where he had like 14 rebounds. It was the Spurs um, game. That's right. Tomorrow is going to be really interesting because the Miami Heat are notorious for being like the team that just wants to fist fight you, right? Uh, they have Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, uh, one of the Morris twins that uh, yeah. is very upset with Nicole Jokic whenever <laughs> he got a taste of his own medicine. But so tomorrow, I even more than the scoring, I think the aggressiveness and the tenacity tomorrow of Baisley will be very fascinating as well. Going up against a team that that wants to push you around, so that will that'll be interesting. Taylor, the other player that we had mentioned, Lou Dort. His third straight game, first time in his career of having three straight games of 20-plus points. Just talk a little bit about, uh, I know Nick already touched on Lou's defense, but Lou's offensive game over this one streak and what he's doing that's impressing you. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. (laughs) No further comment. Uh, (laughs) I think with Lou, look, I want to say this first and foremost. He was off to another incredibly hot start, uh, left off exactly where he started after the last game with his steal and layup for the win, um, where his mom was in attendance. Uh, a couple nights ago, he he comes out and, and starts the same exact way in the first quarter. I mean, shoot, how many threes did he have in the first quarter? I think it was, I think he did he hit all three of his three-pointers in the first quarter? I think he might have. He was three or right. six on the floor from three. Um, I was very disappointed and in, in a way, it's kind of nice to be disappointed in officiating again in a competitive game because we haven't <laughs> had that in a while. But I will say I was disappointed in the officiating because he got four quick fouls in that first that half, especially one. there. And that oh, was just brutal. And that I the third one was one, the same way. I don't know what the hell the refs were looking at. So that really kind of took Lou out of rhythm on both ends of the floor, right? Where he's playing great defense on Harden and obviously when he's being switched on to other players, but then on the offensive end as well, being aggressive shooting from outside and finishing around the rim. So I do 
just kind of want to start with that because I think that really kind of took Lou out the rest of the game and kind of disrupted his flow and rhythm, which was disappointing uh, about the refereeing. It's kind of what led to that. But with that being said, the most impressive thing for me is, is something that's very obvious, and I think you all probably agree. He's finishing around the rim, and that's huge for somebody like Lou, using his size and his strength, being able to, uh, to, to drive and then finally be able to finish around the rim like that. Uh, I mean, again, eight, oh, sorry, eight of 11 uh, from the four from Lou. Super uh, efficient tonight. Very efficient. And also we're seeing him dunk the ball more. He's much more spry. We kind of talked about that, I think, in the in the preseason. It, it, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with him losing weight and, and becoming a little more lean. But I, I found that interesting as well. But I think his efficiency around the rim is very important. And it's good to see his three-point shot continue to trend upwards. Yeah, he started kind of the opposite of last year. Last year, he started crazy hot from three and then came cratering back down to earth. Feels like the opposite. Took a little bit of time for the rocket to get going, but now it's blasting off into orbit. That three-point shot's coming around. Nick, the Taylor just hit on the finishing of Ludor. I mean, he big-bodied Blake Griffin to the ground yes. multiple times tonight. Yeah. Um, he's, I don't know, he's just like so compact. It's like a fucking cannonball getting shot at you in the lane and the the finishing has just been incredibly impressive. Yeah. I, going back to the three point shooting real quick, Mark talked about that post game of like, they know what kind of three point shooter Lou is and whether it's starting hot and trending down or starting low and kind of coming up towards that mean um, they're starting to see that from him. So I think his three point shooting that we saw last year is not a fluke. I think that they've seen enough from him that they think he actually is a quality three-point shooter. In terms of the driving, though, that's... I mean, if, if he can hit threes and drive, like, <laughs> going to get a bag. And yeah, yeah. I mean, and he doesn't even have to decision-make a lot. No. You know, you have guys on this team that can do that. He just needs to be a play finisher. Exactly. Yeah. And, well, and, and also, he, only one turnover, too, right? Like, if he yeah. can continue to, um, to limit the turnovers in terms of... Uh, you know, his, his ball handling, but also if he is driving and is able to kind of be a secondary uh, creator and being able to kick out the teammates or, or find open teammates when he's driving, that's just a whole new factor in this offense. I think, and I'll, I'll kind of kick this back to you guys to discuss maybe a little bit. I think a big part of Lou's offensive um, kind of increase in productivity has come with the fact that now that there's two legitimate playmakers with Josh Giddy and SGA, he doesn't feel the need to be a playmaker. You know, he doesn't have like to do all the extra stuff. I think it's, I think it's coming more natural to him. I like that a lot. Totally, totally agree. Um, two other guys I want to talk about, and Justin, we'll start first with you here. Uh, shout out to uh, our co-host Kamiar, who is on the stream uh, yeah. watching, but not uh, up on stage with us. That would be because Kamiar is probably doing doctoral work. So <laughs> shout out to Kamiar. Um, but he brought up the next guy I want to talk about. He says, we're seeing Josh Giddy, who had a great stretch from late October to early November, start to make less shots and turn the ball over more. Uh, it seems like Giddy's been struggling a bit over the last week. Justin, what are you seeing out of him? I think it's uh, scouting reports. We've talked about it a few times. Uh, <laughs> when a guy is brand new into the into the NBA, there's no sort of frame of reference for him. Opposing teams don't know what his tendencies are. They don't know what he's going to try to do. They don't know what he's capable of. And so it's a blank slate. So when you see it, whether it's with rookies, whether it's with two-way guys, whether it's with international guys, when somebody comes to the NBA, they can usually come in and like just kind of get to flow a little bit. There's a, there's a grace period 
where they're just kind of going out there and balling. And I think that's what we saw from Josh Giddy, like right from the get go. And that's impressive from a rookie coming from a guy who's super young. You played in the NBL, but like he's new to the NBA. He had some early success. My guess is the scattering reports more robust. We started seeing it a couple of weeks ago. I think even last week's uh, group pod, we discussed how he was getting the ball poked out from behind more. And it's like, there's something there that was on a scouting report that showed up of like, Hey, when he curls into the lane, you can he's reach driving. in and poke the ball out. Exactly. It's like there, there's a, there's an opening there. I think his, and he's going to go for a floater. <laughs> his weaknesses <laughs> so. are being exposed and that's going to continue to show up on the scattering report. So now it's not like a knock on him. I think this is a normal life cycle. What he has to do now is adapt. So now exactly. that you know that's out there, now that other teams have adapted to you, what else do you have? What else can you bring? How can you attack them and throw them off their game? And I think Giddy has all the tools to do that. I don't know how long that takes. I don't know when we see Giddy, you know, lighten teams up again. Um, but I think it'll happen this year, and it's probably going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be a, a little bit of a tug of war. Um, you know, he's going to add some new things. Teams are going to scout it. He's going to add some new things. Teams are going to scout it. But I think that's, that's pretty natural for a, for a rookie in the NBA. To your point, to your point, Justin, I'm looking at his, um, his, his, uh, shot attempts. He shot the ball 10 times tonight, which I think is, is great. But seven of those were from three. I don't necessarily love that. I I do agree Mm -hmm. that he needs to be taking those shots, but I I just think that goes to what you're saying. Like that, that's what the defense is giving him now that they've scouted him. Yeah. Giving him that three point shot. He took seven of them because that shot's there. Now he's going to be able to, he he needs to be able to find ways to be able to uh, continue to drive to the rim, kick out to open teammates, find open teammates, create for others, which in return will open up the floor for him a little more. But obviously if he can start, knocking down and, and, and kind of work on his outside shot. That's going to be important. I know uh, Joseph in the, in the chat mentioned his stance. I noticed that again tonight, Joseph, I'm with you. It seems like whenever he is missing those shots, it's because he goes back to that tendency we saw in videos um, from back in the NBL, as well as preseason and, and, and uh, practices where he's kicking that foot out, that right foot, I believe. Um, it just seems off balance. It, it, it's really strange. I, he definitely needs to work on that, that motion and, and that balance. He lands in like a power stance. Like yeah, his, yeah, his feet aren't together. He'll shoot a three and his right foot will land like a foot and a half inside the line. You can see yeah. it being kicked out. Like, yeah, it's, it's weird. And Justin, you mentioned the the scouting report stuff. I think you're spot on there. And to me, the, the thing that I'm noticing a lot more now is defenses are continually uh, sinking under ball screens for Josh yep. Giddy and just daring him to shoot. And he doesn't want to. He wants to get in the lane and then he wants to kick. And they're reading that tendency and they're saying, okay, we're going to go under screens to cut off the drive. Uh, and when he gets in the lane, like you don't jump because we don't think he wants to shoot. We think he wants to pass. So I think part of that adjustment is a kind of a personality change for Giddy on, on just being more aggressive, scoring the ball as well. Yeah. Right. Now to follow up on Kamir had a second question, just asking like, what does Giddy bring um, when he's not scoring the ball like that? Well, I mean, he had, Six points, five rebounds, and four assists. <laughs> the kid does a little bit of everything. That I think the biggest thing for me is just he continues to be aggressive, no matter who he's playing against. Tonight it was the Nets, um, one of the the longer um, and, and one of the best teams in the league. He's still able to go and, and grab rebounds and be aggressive and, and crash the board at his position that a lot of uh, opposing players in his position aren't looking for, aren't ready for, but also aren't doing. Um, and, and that allows him having a player like Giddy to rip those rebounds down, be able to take take it and, and push the ball in transition. Again, 
I said earlier in the podcast, that's when the Thunder are at their best when they're moving in transition. You have a player like Giddy who can just grab the ball and go. That's that's pretty big time. Um, so that right there, as well as just like I mentioned earlier, him driving uh, continues to create for others. The issue is the Thunder don't have a lot of players right now to hit down those those open shots that Giddy and Shea create for them. And that's where having a player like Muscala, uh, especially tomorrow night against the Heat, as he rested tonight, you know, that's why we've seen those those lines with Muscala be so successful. I think one one final comment on Giddy is think about when he was drafted. Great IQ, awesome passer, good rebounder, not a scorer. So I think it's it's important to to tamper expectations too. Um, like if you look at his. Uh, numbers in the NBL. It was like 11 points, seven yep. rebounds, seven assists a game. He's at right about 10 points, six and a half rebounds, six assists a game. So it's, it's pretty even three point shooting 29.3% in the NBL, 28.9% here. Like it's, it's, it's the kind of player he is. We don't know if he can turn into a 15, 20 point per game score a night kind of guy. But just think about the kind of guy he was drafted to be. Like scoring has never been his thing. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't, but just consider that. For sure. I, I think that's a really good point, Nick. And I think the positive on that end is that he's, tw- uh, I was about to say he's 21. He's 19. He just turned 19. So you have an incredibly long runway for him to to build into that. You know, I mean, um, he's got tendencies as a 19 year old shit. We all had tendencies at 19 years old too. Right. And we're very different. So, uh, last one and Nick, I was going to toss this over to you. Interesting little wrinkle tonight. First thunder sub off the bench. Aaron Wiggins gets his first NBA burn. Glad you mentioned that. Um, just, just what did you see from Aaron? I know you've been kind of high on him as a two way guy and, and how he plays on both ends of the floor. What'd you see out of him tonight? Yeah, I think it's, it's, he's, he's fitting more naturally because he's an older player with experience. He's a solid defender. He's a a fluid score throughout training camp. Whenever, you know, players were asked like what rookies are, are kind of showing out or what, what guys have you noticed? Right. His name came up a lot. And in summer league, he looks solid in the G league. He's looks solid. Um, Obviously he's on a two way contract. So he's going to have time to, to play both. And he was actually asked post game, like, do you know when you're going to like be called up and actually play? And he said that Friday following the blue game, he talked to Mark and it was just like a kind of a conversation of stay ready. Like we want to give you some burn soon. And we've seen that every single night. It's like, is, is Trey man, the first man off the bench? Is it, mm-hmm. is it going to be Wiggins? Is it going to be Teo? And I think it's, it's, it's kind of predetermined in these games. Like the Thunder mm-hmm. or not, they're, they're trying, they're, they're trying to win like just like any competitive team would, but the playing him, you know, 10, 15 minutes versus playing Teo 10, 15 minutes is not going to be the difference in the game. And so they're going to give different guys opportunities every night. I think this was a predetermined Aaron Wiggins game. And I think he, I think he stepped up to the occasion. He, he looked good. Yeah, I was good. I think Welcome to the NBA guarding Kevin Durant yeah. and James Harden on your first assignments. <laughs> right. that, and that's what I was going to mention, Nick. I, I think you nailed it. You know, I, I was going to say that he took the Trey, Man, Trey Mann minutes tonight. Granted, Trey Mann played a lot. And, uh, for the blue earlier in the morning, but uh, you're right. It was predetermined. And, and it makes sense when you think about like schematically, right? Like you're throwing in Aaron Wiggins to come out and be one of those defenders um, to, to help out a, a longer defender than like a Trey man who obviously is still working on that end of the floor. Um, you'd rather have an Aaron Wiggins in this situation, but he looked great. Um, I, I just would love to continue to see him get more and more burn. 
I know that will probably happen more once we get past the all-star break, kind of like we saw last year. Some of these, some of these guys are going to get extended minutes. Um, we'll see more of like the lineups we saw, I think towards the end of this game where Trey Mann and Aaron Wiggins are playing together, for example. But I keep thinking about that. I want, I want Wiggins to get more, more time, right? Especially early on with, with some of these lineups. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But that eats into other players' times. For example, like I think of like a Poku, who continues to look better at times, but still struggles and, and just leaves so much more to be desired. So like if I'm asking for Aaron Wiggins to get more time in player development and I want Trey Mann to get more time in player development, well, then that's going to eat into the time of guys like Poku and guys like... um uh, Ty Jerome, I almost said Teo Maladone. Teo has not played recently after his his stint with the Blue. So it's a very tough like balance, I think, uh, that Dignall's having to play right now. Between, but I, I think the way they're looking at it, I'm looking at it as a game by game basis. They're looking at it as in like we have 82 games um, to get, like you said, Nick, to rotate some of these guys in and out of those minutes. Yeah, and there's going to be those rotations and these ebbs and flows. Um, speaking of that, though, one thing I was thinking about before we came on the show tonight, and Justin we're kind of shifting away from just the Brooklyn game now and talking more broader thunder themes here. How many teams would Kenrich Williams be in like a playoff nine man rotation for in the NBA? That's a great question. Uh, it, wow. It's hard <laughs> to say because, you know, he's one of those guys that could carve out a role depending on the team and situation. Like, I don't think there's any team that he couldn't earn minutes on in the right situation. You know, some guys, there's just not, there's not going to be minutes at his position, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I do think he has the skill set where he can be that kind of like Swiss Army tool guy. Now, that said, is he getting 22 minutes on any other team? No. And I think that's the, that's the thing with Oklahoma City is like they, they're clearly um, they like what Kenrich brings off the bench. They like what he does with that second unit. 
They like the, obviously, you know, all the hustle plays, all the dirty work. I think there's something about having him on the floor, whether or not you view him as like a long-term crucial piece of the Thunder rebuild, which you probably don't. There's something about, you know, you have an Aaron Wiggins, a Ty Jerome, a Trey Mann, a Pokashevsky on the Kendrick floor. Kendrick raises the floor of, the, of those five players. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. When you have them out there with Kenrich, there's something to be said about that. It's it's not super unlike the uh, the Collison role in mm-hmm. the the first iteration of the Thunder, where it's like this guy's just out there. He's gonna do the smart things. He's gonna get people in line. He's gonna tell them where they need to be. I think that's his value. Um, but to answer your your original question, it's like I, I don't know that he's getting significant minutes, but I feel like he would be able to get minutes. See, I I maybe I'm the odd man out here. And Silva, I, I mentioned kind of how you feel about this one as well. I mean, I look around the league. I think 26, 27 teams, Kendrick, Kendrick Williams mm-hmm. would get playoff burn for. I mean, I don't think he's playing for the Golden State Warriors. I think they're too deep. Yeah. Uh, I think a team like Brooklyn, probably too deep. Um, but he's playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. 100%. He's playing for the Clippers. He's probably playing for the Suns. Maybe that's one of them. He, he's not in on... Uh, he just seems like a textbook Miami Heat player. I mean, Nader's getting minutes for the me. Suns. I think Kenrich, yeah. you put him um, over Nader. You know, I just I feel like there's a lot of teams that he just does everything you want him to do. He defends his ass off. He's got active hands. He he shoots the ball when he's open. He can play make a little bit. He can just do a little bit of everything for you. I uh, keep thinking that he's kind of better than all the forwards Portland has traded in and out over the last three years. Uh, most of them, maybe Robert Covington isn't, but Portland's been looking for a guy like yeah. that for a long a Mo time. A Mo Harkless kind of guy. Like a smaller Larry Nance type of guy. I think, and, and I, I'm not saying he's as good as this player or would ever get as many minutes as this player, but he reminds me of Jay Crowder. I can see that. I like that. Mm-hmm. No, Jacob, I'm with you because I tweeted something out very similar that I'm very curious to see the offers or, or what happens um, as we approach the trade deadline, as Presley gets offers for guys like Mike Muscala and Kenrich Williams, because regardless of like to your question, the amount of teams that would uh, playoff contenders that want him, there's going to be a handful of, of contenders that want both. I think Kenrich and Muscala. So does the value that they could receive in a trade for each of those players, um, you know, is that greater than the value of keeping them on the team to Justin and Nick? Yeah. And, and I can't Silva's see Muscala get getting traded yep. at all. Um, yep. And then Williams is a, is a difficult one for me, but he's a floor raiser for a yep. lot of teams, for a lot of teams. Um, and it's important, I think, to remember that he was just a throw in on the Steven Adams trade. Like new Orleans Crazy. had to sign him to a contract to salary match. So how many of those types of guys are on this thunder team? Lou Dort was an undrafted dude. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, a second round guy. You have Kenrich Williams, who was a throw in in a trade. Like they're just, this is kind of the island of misfit toys yeah, in a way. Scrappers. You're, just, you're yeah. just patching together a bunch of scrap heap guys. And there's something about Oklahoma City and taking those guys and turning them into something productive. Blue collar you know? hard work, baby. It's, Yee. it's, it's pretty fun. I like it. So, Let's let's shift over. Two guys we talked about their game tonight in Brooklyn. But I'm interested in your guys' opinion on what we've seen out of them throughout the entire season so far. And are we seeing them quote unquote make the jump? Make a maybe it's not a leap, maybe it's a step. Maybe it's a little bit of a tiptoe, but but 
turning that corner. And those two guys are Lou Dort and Darius Baisley. So Nick, I want to start with you with Darius Baisley. I feel like you haven't talked a bunch about Bays in this episode so far. I mean, I got to be the first one to come out and say like, I ragged on the dude, right? I came on a, a solo post-game podcast and I talked about how Baisley just wasn't playing good and maybe didn't deserve as many minutes and uh, was the epitome of inconsistency. And then he's been really, really good, save for this Brooklyn game tonight. He's been really, really good. Do you think this is Bays finally making a change? Or like we talked about earlier, is is this just another, as Justin deemed it, a Bays phase? Yes. Um, I think he's starting to actually figure out how to play within himself. I don't think he's actually like over the past four games, like improved or like it's finally clicking, like in terms of like his shooting or whatever it might be. I think he's playing within himself like that San Antonio game when he had the 14 rebounds or whatever it was, or, or 12 rebounds. I think it was, um, I think it was Jerry that 14, that game, he just played within himself. He's using athleticism to get rebounds and put backs and, and hustle and defend and not trying to do the, you know, triple under the legs. I'm going to step back. I'm going to come in, come in. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Poku. Like if Poku just played within himself, I think it'd be a different game. Um, I I just think he's, he's, as a first round pick, maybe that's the mindset. I'm going to come in and be a long-term NBA starter. Maybe Baisley's starting to realize, like if I want to stick around this league for a long time, I've got to find my niche, find my role. And maybe that's influenced by what the coaches are telling him and what he's doing in practice. And Hey, here's what we need from you. But I think he's just playing within himself. I think it's that simple. I make a lot of teaching references on this podcast and like, obviously so that what I'm an expert in. So that's kind of what I do. But Mark said something the other day about how they don't want to box Baisley in um, and, and force him to be a certain type of player. They want him to explore. And the first thing I thought of is in school and just in, in education and learning in general, me telling you something is a whole lot different than you realizing that thing on, on your own, right? It's a, it's a different cognitive level of learning, right? That's why like lecturing really isn't like a super effect, effectful tool for teaching. You want students to like learn something on their own, like, like engage in something and say, oh, the light bulb has gone off. I kind of feel that way with Baisley and the coaching staff. Like yeah. Mark is saying, we want him to explore. We're not going to box him in because if we tell Baisley, hey, you just need to shoot the ball on your open, attacks close, attack closeouts on straight line drives, play defense and rebound, like he's going to fill the walls closing and say, no, like I got to do all this stuff to be, you know, this high rated first round pick like Nick just mentioned. Whereas I think, Nick, I think you hit it on the head there. To me, Baisley is starting to realize that on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I should only take these type of shots. Maybe I should only attack on on closeouts and and not try to hit two spin moves in a between the leg and then drop off a dime because I turn it over all the time. I wonder if he's making that self-realization now. And again, it's a small sample size, right? It's like a week and a half. But it's still a good point. It's like, something interesting to think about though, right? It could be why, and we talked about this, but that could be the answer to the question that I've had on to as to why Baisley has such a longer leash <laughs> for lack of a better analogy than a player like Poku because Poku is going to explore <laughs> if mm-hmm. you get him free range, right? Where you do kind of have to home Poku in a little bit to get him to learn 
Bakersley's maybe better off just throwing him out there and, and baptism by fire. Maybe there's some self-realization going on there. Yeah. yeah. Which and, be huge. And not, not to go completely off the rails here, but um, that, that Nick Collison interview I did for a, a story a while back, he talked about there was a lot of guys in his draft class that were much more talented, had much higher ceilings, but he played twice as long in the NBA as they did because you at some point realize if I'm going to be in this league for a long time, here's what I'm going to have to be. Here's the type of player I'm going to have to be. And I maybe maybe he's had conversations with Nick. Maybe he's realized it on his own. But I, I do think something has clicked for him on the type That's of player he needs to be. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how that how that plays out over the next couple of months, right? Do we continue to see that trend? So yeah. Justin, the other guy I mentioned was Lou Dort. We've talked about the scoring. Are we, is this a blip on the radar for Lou? Is this just another scoring outburst or is this something different? Is Lou making a jump? I think the most encouraging thing with Lou is the finishing at the rim. It's It's been the glaring weakness in his game since he's been in Oklahoma City. It's been the thing that we've consistently said, like, if he can do that, then he'll be dangerous. It's usually the, the that is finish at the rim and hit a three consistently. He's doing both of those. But the finishing at the rim, I think, is is the most exciting because it's putting pressure on the defense for the kickouts. Because you have to respect Lou driving the rim, whether or not he finishes or you know, does he start to incorporate more kickouts? If he can pull defenders in and you have guys around the perimeter like a Shea Gilgis-Alexander, um, that can that can now be maybe a little more open because Lou's pulling some defenders into the lane. I just think it makes him so much more versatile and it makes him more interesting of a prospect than a guy, you know, that he often fairly or unfairly gets compared to with like a Andre Roberson. Roberson, wow. <laughs> Call him Roberson. He's been gone so long. And not long. Andre, <laughs> Andre Roberson, who, you know, was very one-dimensional on offense. Having the ability to do a little bit more is making Lou so much more dangerous and so much more dynamic on the offensive end of the floor. I think what you said earlier, Jacob, is dead on with maybe having Shea and Giddy on the floor is opening Lou up to play a different way on offense. He doesn't have to facilitate. He can be a little more focused and... All that to say, uh, I'm encouraged with the progress that he's shown. We have seen the three-point shooting can be streaky. He can go months where it looks great, and he can go months where it looks terrible. Just go look at last season. That's pretty much what we saw. But the finishing feels like something that if he can keep that up, that his scoring contribution should be sustainable. So here's some interesting stats for you, Justin, on Lou's shooting and finishing. Last season, 23% of Lou's shots came from zero to three feet. This season, it's very close, 26%. So around the same number. But last season, Lou shot 43%, or sorry, 56% in that zero to three foot range. This season, 73%. That's huge. That is a massive leap. I literally grimaced when you said 40 something percent at first. I was like, I didn't think it was that. No. Yeah. Last season was 56.4. Yeah. This season so far, 72.7. Yeah, and the huge. same percentage of his shots are coming from that range. Also kind of interesting to look at um, percentage of all of Lou's threes that come from the corner. 
are at a three-year low, his career low. Um, only 9.4% of lose threes are coming from the corner. He is shooting 16.7% on corner threes. Yikes. So you got to feel like that is that is a number that is going to to pull up drastically. I unmute my mic. Uh, how many attempts from the corner for Lou? Um, I, I don't know attempts. Because, I'm just looking on basketball oh no, reference I, and seeing percentage. I just when you said that, it, it, it kind of like it, it seems strange at first, but then I like I'm not seeing Lou in the corner a lot as much as we were. Yeah, he's seasons, taking right? very very few corner threes yeah. compared to re- the rest of his career. That's also, we talked about Lou being a play finisher who isn't trying to create and is just trying to score points. Uh, this season so far of his three point field goals, 93% of those have been assisted. Yep. Hmm. Taylor, so I think self creation and ISOing yeah. at the top, it's pretty much all catch and shoot. I would guess his corner three attempts are six or 12 because one over six is like 16%. Just yeah, random that's guess a good point. Just doing math. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, nerd. <laughs> nerd. <laughs> it's got to be somewhere in that, in that ballpark, probably. That that would make sense. That's that would make point. sense for sure. Um, I was wanting to look at this real quick. Uh, I'm going to ask this question every year until it becomes true. Are we still taking Marcus Smart over Lou Dort? No, Lou Dort is better. Marcus Smart. I, if- I made that comment a while back, and I don't. Not all of you were on here, so I'm going to make it again and just see what you say. Is Lou Dort's peak ceiling Drew Holiday? Not I, as much of a playmaker, oh, but yeah, I, I think I you I was on the podcast with you here, uh, and that's exactly what I said. Not from a playmaking standpoint, um, but similar builds, similar roles in terms of their um, offensive scoring and their their defensive ability. But I also think that Luke can take on more defensive assignments um, in terms of like you could throw him on <laughs> if Harden weren't on the same team as Kevin Durant. Like Lou Dort would have guarded. Oh, I mean, Drew Holiday James. guards LeBron James regularly. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. Yep. And, and Holiday has they both guard way well. above their weight class for sure. That's true. If Lou Dort's ceiling is Drew Holiday, do you pay him what he's owed? Is he worth that to the Thunder? This is a Nick is question because Nick is the one that's Holiday always been on this one for, for God, eight months now. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. Well, that's with, what is the that's number that it. Lou could get to where you would say, mm, I don't do it. Anything over 20, I'm not doing it. Interesting. 20 a year. I just, yeah, 20, yeah, 20 yeah, a year. Yeah. I'd, give, I'd give him 15 without question, especially with the cap flexibility the Thunder have. Um, yep. he, he's not Mikael Bridges? No. Price point to you? you you've you've got to see it where it matters. There's a ton of guys. Like game that, seven in the playoffs? Yikes! Wow. One, one game, Harden. Wow. One game. I mean, like, he was incredible that entire series. I, I, didn't he drop thirty points? Uh, in that game? Not offensively. I'm talking oh, consistently, man. man. Like it's 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 not there for me to get twenty million. He hasn't had a chance to to do it at that level, though. Yeah. And right. is that his fault? No. But yeah, but no. I'm but I'm saying like it, it's hard to to say I, I got to know you could do it at that level to to pay you that, but you don't really think, get the chance to evaluate at that level, right? I don't think Mikhail Bridges gets that bag if the Suns didn't go to the finals last year. If the Suns got knocked out in the first round by the Lakers, I don't know if his bag's that big. Yeah. We should ask DeAndre Ayton about this. Ah. <laughs> That's a center. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. 
Um, and it's Robert Sarver, which I think is a whole different conversation. I will too. say this. Yep. I, I, I like how I said that. And in unison, all four of you just went. And there was like a, a very synchronized head nod. I love it. <laughs> I will yeah, say this. Robert Sarver, you know. Look at his agents, right? Foucher and Joe Smith, really just Foucher. I'm going to I'm gonna die on the hill that Lou Dort will probably end up being a really good NBA player, but it's not going to be on the Thunder. Okay. Ooh, see, I disagree. And that's, that's the point I was bringing up. Foucher and Presti have a great relationship. It will be a mutual uh, contract that benefits both parties. I'm not concerned about it. I don't want Lou and another team guarding Shea. It's all I know. God. They've they've been in practice too long too. They knows all the moves. That's one Very of those close. ones like seeing NBA Twitter like lap up Dort and seeing a Dort jersey in another color, like that would just feel dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't he, stand for he's it. He's our undrafted rookie. That's right. You keep your hands, hands off, off bastards. <laughs> Do you, so so I, I let me let me ask you this. Are you cool with Josh Giddy being a small forward? For the rest of the next half decade or more, or would you? I was thinking see him about that after watching I, Banchero. again. Kid just turned nineteen, like and like. Does Jabari's- he have another inch or two in him? That sounds very provocative without context. <laughs> but clip that, clip that audio. So oh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm already <laughs> getting it. Nice I got this week's intro. <laughs> does he have nice. another inch? In him? She said. I think I think if the Thunder drafted Evan Mobley, this conversation would be completely different. I think that's yeah. fair. I think that's fair. We no, got to find room for Trey Mann in the starting lineup too at some point. So. I mean, yeah. is Josh <laughs> comes a four and lose it, a three? I don't know. When it comes down to it, you take the best player available. It doesn't matter. But let's say that happens, and the Thunder decide that one of Paulo Benchero, who could play some small ball Bencaro. five, Benchero, or um, Jabari Smith from Auburn, right? Like, Small forward, power forward kind of player. I think and at that we, point, Baisley's the odd man out. And you, you bring him off the bench. Um, I don't know. I just. But back to I your inches comment, Jacob, you can't slide him to a three. You can't slide him to a four if you got Paolo in there. Yeah. That's fair. Shit. I don't know. Paolo. Paolo weighs as much as Steven Adams does. Yeah. Which blows my mind. There's no way Paolo Banchero. God, I did it too, Taylor. You bastard. There is no way Paolo Banchero is 250 pounds, dude. That is literally Steven Adams' size, but he's playing on the perimeter all game. It's like Lou Dort. That's absurd. And and Paolo looks like he can put on another 10 or 15. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and trademark this and just manifest it now. Win the Thunder draft, Paolo Bancaro. I'm making like Del Rancho shirts, but Paolo <laughs> Bancaro. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. But I'm still on Team Chet the Bed. Ugh. I know Nick is anti. <laughs> I think Nick I'm doesn't already, like Chetting the Bed, but I, I do. think I'm already well, out too. Count me I'm out. With Nick. I, I don't I think. think he's he's number one pick worthy. I think he's got a crazy high hey, ceiling. When we drop to six again, he might be worthy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Six Screw all you guys. Check. Well, before we move on to the around the association, quick question for you guys. And the, the question requires some context. Okay. The context is Friday night. Um, my man, Kamiar and I went downtown uh, to the Paycom Center to watch the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Sacramento Kings. We're just having a good time. We got a couple of waters. We're watching halftime hit. We went and got that soft serve with some Oreo on it. It's delicious. <laughs> just talking about work and watching basketball. And as the game progresses, I'm getting kind of hyped. And then Lou Dort 
puts the clamps on uh, old De'Aaron Fox, all-star candidate De'Aaron Fox, who got shut down that night, gets the steal, the finish over two guys for the layup for the win. Justin had the honors of podcasting after that one. And just like the rest of the Paycom Center, Kami and I are lit. We're going crazy. We're high-fiving. We're yelling at each other. And as we're leaving the arena, I noticed Kamir kind of looking around. I was like, what's this guy doing? Like, why is he looking around? Turns out, he didn't tell me this. We high-fived so goddamn hard that his wedding ring shot off like a rocket out of Loud City and is somewhere lost in the Paycom Center. Uh, I tweeted this out from the podcast account. I imagine some... um, Paycom center employee like sweeping the floors is holding up Kamiar's ring like a schmiegel. My precious. <laughs> so my question for you guys, what other kind of random stuff do you think that in the middle of some sort of mayhem, maybe it was uh, game six against the Spurs to go to the finals. Maybe it was... Uh, I don't know that Kevin Durant game whenever Russ was out where he like went for almost 50. Um, maybe it was the Russell uh, free throws to to sink the Clippers uh, and the crazy comeback in the playoffs. At some wild moment in Thunder history, what do you think of some of the craziest stuff that people have lost by getting too lit in that arena? Silva, we're, we're just going to we're just going to fire these off real quick. Let's go for them. Uh, there's definitely like a, a firm stack of vaccine cards people have thrown all over the internet <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I love it, Justin. Probably firearms, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, Nick. Somebody lost their mind after that Steven Adams series and paying him 20 plus million a year. <laughs> Touche. Taylor. <laughs> oh, I mean, the easy one is like, those playoff like clappers or whatever they give out. You know what I mean? Like those fans and you like, you clap. Everyone's got good ones. And Taylor's like, Oh, something very, very realistic. (laughs) Something to leave behind all the time. (laughs) Someone's lost some underwear in the arena. I'm convinced. Uh, there, there you go. I was waiting for someone to say virginity. Can you, can you but, provide? Yeah. Can you provide <laughs> some logistics on how you lose underwear in the pay I, center? I there, there's, just, there's some folks that go there. That <laughs> Silva hit me with another one. What's something crazy somebody has lost by getting too hyped in the arena? Well, I thought Nick was going to say before he said mind. I thought he was going to say virginity, but so did I. <laughs> I don't know wallets, phones. I'll, you know. Okay, Justin, give me another one. Uh, well, that Clippers comeback, like you mentioned, uh, my dad lost my mom. That, that count? <laughs> Their wives. Uh, <laughs> she uh, when In the what Thunder. Way? What were they down thirteen with like a minute and a half left? Basically, uh-huh. whenever the Clippers like maxed out that lead, she just got up and walked out. Didn't say a word to my dad, just <laughs> left. And like my parents didn't do that. Like that's not a thing that they do. They're they're not the leave early people. They're the like stay till the very end people. She just got up and marched off. So my dad, <laughs> I like, am done with this team. Looks around, and he's like, uh, okay, I guess we're leaving. <laughs> and so I'm watching that game at home, and I call him after it's over. I'm like, I can't believe you got to see that. How cool was that? How loud was the arena? And my dad's like, Well, we're in the car in the parking garage already um, because we missed all of that. Cause your mom got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> how many, so how many people go. do you think have bought 
like a jersey or a t-shirt or a hat and left the stadium after a big it. win and just left it in the seat. Uh, dude, I a bet lot. the number is probably higher than you, we would want to think. Yeah. So, so let me follow up. What do you think they do with that? Do you think the cleaning staff takes it home? Do you think they return it to the gear oh, shop? Oh, dude, if, I, if I'm the janitor, else? if I'm the janitor, I'm pocketing that Take shit. It. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I bet they got so much swag. <laughs> Luckily for Kamiar, his wedding ring was only like seventy bucks, so okay. it's not like wow. a, a a dude. Mine's like thirty. Hey, nice. So. Uh, I'm gonna get one of those rubber gonna... ones on Amazon for ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get one of those silicone ones. That, yeah. That's the way to go. Um, yep, anything else yep. that has been lost in the arena from getting too hyped? I imagine, oh, I like, like the wife, I imagine children have been lost. Yes, definitely children. I think that one's pretty fair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Joseph kids. says kids. <laughs> oh, I love it. Not a baby though, right? I, I doubt a baby. Debatable. I'm 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 kind of not a fan of like people bringing babies to sporting events. I I know for a fact. Um, <laughs> I forget who the player was. A player owed Justin tickets and lost those somehow back in the day. Uh, who was yeah, who was the player? It was Cole Aldrich and uh, <laughs> classic. This was. I'll keep it brief because this is not the point of the segment. But uh, it was in the early days of like Twitter. And I won playoff tickets from Cole Aldrich on Twitter. <laughs> and I was going to college in Arkansas at the time. And so I just like jumped in my car and booked it. It was like a Sunday afternoon, booked it to Oklahoma City, showed up to the arena. The whole like three hour drive to Oklahoma City, I'm thinking like, man, I hope these tickets are really there. <laughs> and I show up and he left the wrong tickets. He left the tickets for game seven. Oh, yeah, and it I was game this. one. And so I'm trying oh. to explain to the will will call lady, like, first off, what Twitter is two <laughs> that this is really Cole Aldrich and three that I just drove from Arkansas. And long story short, she didn't buy it. And she told me to leave. And I was like, my my stomach dropped. And then what I learned, don't anyone use this. This is privileged info. I'm not endorsing anything. Don't hold me accountable. The exit to the will call area is inside the arena. <laughs> So I just walked in. So when she told me to leave, actually, it's not looked, anymore. It's I, okay, not anymore, see, but it used learned. to be. I looked around and I was like, I'm inside. And I knew where the seats were because she she showed me the game seven tickets. So I was like, I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> no one so else going to be there. And I enjoyed it. It was great. Also, awesome. um, an update live on the podcast. Uh, Kamir's wife has just texted me because I guess they're watching us in the living room right now. Uh, the ring was actually 200 bucks. Dang, Jacob, come on. So I thought it was only 70. I, I was I was led to believe it was a smaller number. Kamiar, hey, what are you hey, doing, man? Yeah. Go donate some plasma, buddy. Forget a ring that fits. Jesus. Go, go take a nap. <laughs> he doesn't have time for those anymore. No. All right. It is time for us to take a trip around the association. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> well, gentlemen, as we take this trip around the association, we're going to look at teams that are struggling currently. 
and what they can do to get off the struggle bus, specifically any sort of moves or trades that need to be made already. You're way too early trade deadline deal to get a team over the hump. I believe this was uh, this was Nick's idea for around the association. So Nick, you're first up, buddy. Lovely. Um, Pacers are the team that I think have the clear talent to make a splash this year. Um, however, I don't think the talent they have necessarily fits the greatest. Um, they are sitting at six and eight right now. I know it's super early. They could probably keep the team exactly the way it is, end up in the playoffs and do something. But I think, and I don't think they should overpay because they have leverage here. Go get Ben Simmons. See what happens. I've always thought Ben Simmons in uh, Indiana, especially if you pair him with Miles Turner, who can space the floor is an interesting one. So Nick, I'm going to piggyback off of you because my player was also Ben Simmons, but my team is very different. I like Ben on the Sacramento Kings. The Kings, you're sticking with it. The Kings struggle to defend. They struggle to rebound. They need maybe a little bit more playmaking, and Ben fills all those roles perfectly. All right, I I like Ben. Zach Boat. I like Ben on uh, to the Kings. What for? You know, I don't know. You you probably got to send Tyrese Halliburton in that deal. You probably got to send Davion Mitchell in that deal. Um, I'd throw in Harry Barnes in that deal as well. Here's my thing: the Kings haven't been in the playoffs since I was like in middle school, bro. Yeah. Yeah. They got to do something like at this point, nothing the Kings can do. I'll say like, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say, well, might as well. What the hell's going to happen? What's the worst that's yeah. going to happen here? They're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. Well, shit. That's what they've done for pick. almost two decades. Fair. That's a good point. I just, is everyone just trading Ben Simmons, by the way? Is that just what we're doing on this segment? Is <laughs> oh, this, no, just, is this the trade Ben Simmons segment, but just church step to be something else? <laughs> I was just piggybacking. Um, but hey, on, on that note, though, I, I, I mentioned the Blazers, but that is certainly a team that's struggling right now. Whole lot of wild rumors going around with, uh, you know, their president of, uh, of B-Ball Ops. Neil Olshay, who seems like <laughs> an idiot. Who was, the, um, who was the other guy that just resigned? Um, another like, some it was another executive. Yeah. yeah, it's uh not great over there. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, Dame seems to be bought in and, and loyal still, but man, I just wonder how long can he can he take this? Um, I I think Ben Simmons and Dame is actually a really good pairing. Justin, yeah, what struggling team are you trying to help out? Well, first of those three Ben Simmons destinations, only one of those is primed for excellent merch. So I'm <laughs> I'm with Nick on Bindiana. Oh, um, well done. Like that? Make print the shirts. Cut me <laughs> cut me a little commission check, but go ahead and print the shirts. <laughs> <laughs> this one's obvious and it's been talked about forever, but having watched the Lakers a handful of times recently, is there anyone that makes more sense than Buddy Healed <laughs> on the Ooh. LA Lakers? Like they need sale, him though, buddy. so bad. They need him so bad because what they have is not working. Uh, I, w- I watched a little bit of that old man in the three interview with Alex Caruso and like the, yeah. the, way the whole yeah. thing went down. Like they're just a mess. Yeah. Yep. And they, they need to shake some things up. It pr- it won't be buddy. Like you said, Jacob, it's that ship's probably sailed, but the Lakers are uh, they're in the, They're starting to flirt with like scary territory. 
Yeah. You're yeah. Uh, supposed to be Western Conference Finals champs, LA Lakers. Yeah. That the Black right. Eye Thunder have beaten twice already. Just yeah. trade Russell Westbrook to the Kings for Buddy Hill. Silva, what do you issue. got? God. Uh, so I'm going to highlight the Celtics. They've been kind of middling. Oh, Jason Tatum has been struggling a ton. And uh, it's going to be a wild one. I'm going to trade whoever you like less between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for Tyrese Halliburton, one of. One of Buddy Heald or Harrison Barnes and like as many picks and pick swaps as you can get. What do you think? That's interesting. I think that the, is interesting. It'd have to be a decent amount of picks for sure. A lot of picks, I think. A lot of picks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've got, bad I've got with you to get Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. I've got one more. Okay. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves, another team that like they on paper they have mm-hmm. the they have the guys. Um I don't think D'Angelo Russell fits there. And I think another I team. You don't say. I think another <laughs> another team could actually be enticed by him. And my hypothetical trade doesn't make sense in a vacuum because this team that I'd be trading him to already has a solid backcourt. But if you could get Pascal Siakam on the Minnesota mm. Timberwolves, I like, I like that. that. I think he fills the the one role they have that, that that's like sitting there. They have Edwards. They have Cat. They have all these guys that can score the ball and, and can do a lot of things. They just need that other forward. I think McDaniels is on the way to being there. I was about to say to... McDaniels maybe ends up being kind but of if, a Pascal type but of guy. If you want to win now, Pascal. You might have, I, I was going to say you might have to attach uh, McDaniels in a yeah. trade like that to get that sure. player. I agree. Sure. But now for... do the Toronto Raptors need another six foot nine wing? Uh, a great point. No, they don't. Which but just, uh, I, I can't believe they don't, they don't need Siakam. I don't think they need Siakam anymore oh, with how good Scotty Barnes yeah. is. And the Scotty dude. He's we were we were on the Scotty train on draft uh, lottery night. Yeah. If we went back to those podcasts, it was like Scotty is a lock at six. He's just, <laughs> he's sitting there at six. The five man draft and they're Scotty. Uh, he's so good. Dude. I mean, we also took Terrence Ferguson ahead of uh, OG and Anobi, but you know, neither um, here nor there. No. Yeah. I, I have uh, I have around. two more. Does anybody else have any other trades? I have one more as well. Okay, so I'll go with my first one. Uh, another struggling team, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans uh, suck, and Zion <laughs> Williamson weighs about as much as all five of us combined, uh, and we might not see him until like Valentine's Day at this point. Like it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know what the player they need to trade for is, but I think they need a new general manager because the yeah, decision no making down there um, has not been good. So I, I like. They made so many moves in the summer that were just like mind boggling and head scratching. And they, they just got to go do something. You Trade like away. Brandon Ingram. Yeah. They, they, something's got to happen. Cause Jesus, that's, it's bad. I think of a team. So, you know, um, Silva, you mentioned the six and seven Celtics. We obviously, obviously started with the six and eight Pacers. Six and eight bucks is an interesting one, but the one I want to talk about is a five and nine Atlanta Hawks. And the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, right? Or my finals? Yeah. No, they made <laughs> no the finals. finals. Yeah, yeah finals. Um, obviously, I've been struggling early on, but have so many. And, and we just got the news right before we started recording about um, it was DeAndre Hunter's wrist. But so many young guys, a lot of young talent, a ton of trade chips. Again, I don't know who it would be that they would trade for, but they're prime for a trade, a midseason trade chips. to be able to help this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the same sense. on the flip side, you had the Warriors, who are not a struggling team, which is kind of okay. Well, way to take my guys. last one, you dick. <laughs> oh, <see. laughs> Here's the thing: I'm, I'm going to steal it. From, I'm going to steal it from you. When the Warriors get healthy, Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, Otto Porter, Nemanja Bjelica, James Wiseman, Moses Moody, Damian Lee, Juan Scano Anderson. There's too many mouths to feed. They, they yeah. feel and how well they've started. They feel like a team primed to trade away a couple of young guys and some picks to go. Am I crazy in this one? Like you do James Wiseman, you do Moody. Moses Moody, and picks and three picks to go get Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, <laughs> that's fun. I keep the thinking word realistic. Capella part of the deal. Then say it again. Is Capella part of the deal? Are you talking about the Hawks or the Warriors right now? The Warriors. The Warriors. I said James gotcha. Wiseman, Moses Moody, and like three picks to go get Carl Anthony Towns. Gotcha. Okay. I, is, how, far, how far off is that? Well, I just, will the Wolves give in? It resets their timeline around they Anthony should. Edwards. They probably yeah. should. Would you ask for yeah. Kaminga too? They? If I'm the Wolves, I'm asking for everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah. But yeah, man, can you imagine like, Number one, cat on the Warriors is just absurd. Yep. Yeah. Absurd. Yeah. And then number two, I mean, that is a full reset for the Wolves, who Carl Anthony Towns already a little bit older. He's already in what his third deal now. Yeah. Um, he's gonna be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this contract. You you flip him for some blue chippers and like just the the mother load of picks. Yep. I mean that's that's spicy. I've got I've got two Thunder guys. Ooh, if you want to okay. go that direction. Okay. Um, I think, and I know it's only been a year. He's He's been injured. Um, I think the Hawks, like like Taylor kind of mentioned, they've got all these guys, like these young guys, that are going to have to get paid. Like they're not all going to fit the timeline. I think you go get Okongwu to be your starting center. I, Nick, you are Love speaking that. to the crowd right now. You know <laughs> how much I'm in on Okongwu. Yep. And I think that, Love the, that. if the Hawks want to make a secondary move, the Thunder are providing picks for Okongwu and, and those picks are kind of used for a larger deal for one of these other guys we talked about. That's one could thing. Could be some like sort of three team. Could be. Um, this next one is going to maybe get me fired from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would trade a Lou Dort package to the New Orleans. Shut your mouth. <laughs> or Brandon Ingram. Oh yeah, I'm out. Really? I'm out. Why? Why, just, are you, why? Why are you low I'm on Ingram? I'm so high on Lou. I'm just not that high on Ingram. I mean, he's fine. He had that All Star appearance. What was that two years ago? I mean, he's a 25 a night guy consistently. Yeah. Um. I think the Thunder would say no, especially at the the point of Brandon's career. He's in year two of that extension he's now. 23 20, years yeah. old. Oh, I didn't know he was that young. He he's is young. a it's, young cat. It's that. That's interesting. I. Now you're rethinking know. it, aren't you? You, you, <laughs> you don't have to. You like, don't have to pay Lou. You have a guy that actually. No, you don't fits. pay Lou because you're paying Brandon. Sure, sure, but but you have a guy that actually fits. Like he's a wing. You slide Giddy down. You don't have that log jam in the backcourt. He's a bucket. He's long. He's like log damn near seven jam. feet tall. Yeah, he's like the mini. People wanted to dub him the mini KD when he came out. Yep. That's an interesting one. How does Lou fit with Zion? I mean, defensively, that could be a nightmare. <laughs> He's a mini yeah. Zion. <laughs> New Orleans got a sickness for the Zion. thickness. Skinny Zion. 
sickness for thickness. Is that what you said? Yes. <laughs> hey, Lou Dort, can can he speak French? New Orleans is a perfect fit. That's, there yeah. you go. Ah, there you go. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> awesome. Hey guys, uh, thanks for joining the Young Contested tonight. If you're on the live stream, man, we appreciate you hopping on here. It was popping in the comment section tonight. We love to see that. Make plans to join us after every Thunder game. We go live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. So join us each night and then every Sunday at 9 p.m. Central Time. Speaking of, Thunder have a loaded schedule this week. We are back with you again tomorrow, Monday night, as the Thunder take on the Miami Heat. And there's a game Wednesday night, who I can't remember who it's against. And they also have one Friday against the Bucks. So it's a loaded week. We'll be with you every step of the way. Make sure wherever you download your podcast at, subscribe to The Uncontested, drop that five-star rating, DM us a screenshot of that five-star rating in your address. We'll mail you out some Uncontested holographic stickers. It's like that holographic uh, blast voice you had back in the day, but cooler and not worth as much money. You guys have a great beginning of your week. We will see you in less than 24 hours. Until then, as always, Thunder up!